Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Elks on the Mize. My name is John. That's Ian. Bleat. <laughs> well, I, forget, I think honk, Elks bleat. I don't know what the heck they do. I think I think it is a variant of bleat, indeed. Um, today, we're going to be talking about uh, episode 131, uh, fall 2019 OP announcements, and we're going to try to predict some pioneer bands. Not just telling you what cards we think will get banned, because that's easy, but when we think they'll be banned. Oh, I just looked it up. Apparently they scream. Ah! No, I don't know. There's elk sounds. Anyways, before we get jump right into the topics, um, <laughs> no. we're going to do a little bit of elks on the community because holy cow Oko, or holy elk Oko. Yeah, so um, it almost did the quintuple crown this weekend, which is kind of crazy. Uh, now, I had to correct your show notes on this one, John, uh, but they didn't really place in the... Uh, modern challenge because that oh. happened on Saturday. Well, 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 yeah. I mean, they they hadn't quite the deck hadn't quite broken out yet um, on Saturday. But anyway, sure. Uh, it won the standard challenge this weekend. Yeah, in because it's soul tie. Yes, I think it was a soul tie mid range deck. Uh, uh, yes, wait. It won the pioneer challenge with the soul tie mid range deck. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. Um. Let's see here. It also took down the pioneer challenge with a salt yes. deck <laughs> that's what i just said it did yeah and legacy challenge it was in the sideboard of rug delver yeah, i think that was a, it was like a rug delver deck yeah and yeah then it was one it was one, one of in the side of like one two of in the side of rug delver and then two or three of in the main of a vintage deck yeah it was uh i think it was oko oath i want to say it was yes yeah it's uh yeah <laughs> I mean, because think about it, you can make your opponent have a creature, and then, boop, all of a sudden, Oath is turned on. My Oath on. is turned on. Yay. Sweet. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, the only thing it didn't win was Modern, where it placed second at SCG Atlanta this past weekend, which was in, Modern. Uh, Modern Open. Funnily enough, to Grixis Death Shadow, of all things. <laughs> but the fun, mm-hmm. the fun, weird side twist is the deck that won SCG Open Atlanta Featured a three mana Throne of Eldraine Planeswalker, the Royal Scions. It had two of them, one in the main, one in the side, because given that old 2 0 first strike trample is a heck of a thing, I mean, it's like Team or Battle Rage, but not as crazy. But if your Death Shadow is like a 10 10, cool, it's a 13 10 first strike trample. And yeah. then you put Team or Battle Rage on it. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Remember what weird. we said, kids. Thir- three mana planeswalkers always see play. Yeah. Uh, if they're rare or above. The twins are already spiking on Magic Online. They were uh, before this past weekend. They were at roughly about three and a half tickets, and now they're nine tickets. So you missed out. You missed a spike. Oops. Um. But yeah, and it also won the standard classic in the hands of. Uh, we also got second in the uh, the modern classic to d- lost losing to is it delver like actual delver spell based delver secrets can sometimes win games <laughs> but yeah everyone's like oh delver in modern uh no it actually uh four delver four snap four young pyromancer and a bunch of spells mm-hmm. four archmage charm by the way four of them let's <laughs> talk about a card we didn't see made. coming yeah um and then like i said it, it went one through three and put a fifth place finish in in the standard classic uh dom harvey who has just been utterly on fire this year or at least this scg season um won and took that down so a uh hey let's put it this way oko got so bad this weekend so my wife was in town 
and I was enjoying spending time with her. And she literally looked at me at one point like, just no more Oko. Like, you need to stop talking about Oko. And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was it was getting bad. I'm like, look, Oko takes. And she's like, you need to stop. And I'm like, yeah, you're, you're right. I do. I do. So I kind of ran it back in a little bit. And we forgot to mention also that Oko put five decks, all the same archetype, one slight variation. They, there was uh, four Simic Urza decks. That were basically Simic for the full four copies of Oko, then a Sultai Urza deck that was just the same thing, except it also played, you know, more black cards. Also, uh, by the way, ninth place in Drake Sasser's hands, four color Urza with two Oko yeah. in the main or, and one in the side. So, yeah, it, one was sitting literally just outside the cut as well. So, oh, yeah. and also we forgot to mention that uh, there was three Oko in the eighth place devoted Druid deck as well. <sighs> yeah Oko there was is... there was a lot of and there was, it had three copies of that one so oko is loco yeah so basically i think it was between the other variants of like the simic ones it had like four in each of those copies there are three in one four in the other ones and there was three in the other devoted druid deck so four 16 22 copies of oko in the top eight and then also, not to kind of put a too fine a point on it as well, we're slowly getting to the point where the the modern metagame is almost coalescing into what the best Urza deck is. So it is definitely possible that something from that get deck gets hit, whether it is the aforementioned Urza or whether it's Mox Opal or whatever. Uh, it's looking like Urza is being is a little too good for modern. Well, and we'll see how things progress. Yeah, to be fair, right now the modern metagame is kind of flat. If you're looking at the MTG Goldfish pull, the most represented one is Amulet Titan at 5.8%. Um, then you can guess you can combine Urza Outcome and Four Color Wurza and a couple other things to maybe push that out of its top spot. But you got Burn, Eldrazi Tron, Regular Tron. Those are two completely de different decks, by the way. Like You have yeah. to delineate Mono Green and Eldrazi. You got Jun, Grixis Death Shadow, uh, the two flavors of Urza's, Blue White Control, Dredge, Titan Shift, and Humans basically rounding out everything down to 2.1% representation online and their events pulls. So it's showing, you know, it's it's a relatively decent thing, but I don't know if Urza's bannable yet. Um I think we're getting there, but Yeah. I mean yeah, it, it needs to keep basically dominating the metagame over the next couple of events. We've got let me pull up the twenty twenty Magic Fest schedule. I mean, January Austin's modern, then we don't have another modern event until Sao Paulo in March, and then Turin in April, and then Palm mm -hmm. Beach in April. So there's only like four modern GPs, so anything that's really gonna, you know, warp Urza will have to be Magic Online and SCG events, to be honest. So we'll see how that shakes out, but um, hopefully something in the next couple sets maybe might push it down. Who knows? I doubt it, but we'll see. There's a lot of uh, a lot basically of, a lot of things that came when, out of Modern Horizons that was a uh, yikes. Yeah, it, basically, if the format's resolving re is revolving around resolving a format of sorcery, that's pretty good. But then when the best decks are the decks that best punish that, that's when you start getting into a kind of you know, warped metagame. But let's go ahead and move on and talk about, first, the organized play announcements that came out today um, on magic.gg. There's a link to it in the show notes below. Um, the bulk of it is about fractional invites, which we'll get to that uh, after we talk about kind of the other three things that were mentioned. First thing is, they were like, you know, it's kind of silly that the world champion is not invited to the MPL, so we just fixed that. 
Yeah, that was something that kind of happened a while ago. I mean, with, what was it? World's Champion not getting a reinvite to Worlds. Yes. Which was like, what? But now, like, I'm glad they kind of fixed, I'm using air quotes again, um, fixed something with, hey, getting, now we're, not, I mean, you not only get like the kind of semi-invitational card, but yeah. you're also getting MPL, which is kind of cool. So yeah. if you can somehow qualify for Worlds outside of, you know, the other pro paths, hey, sweet, awesome. Yeah. There's also a talk about the 2020 Mythic Invitationals. If you remember, the Mythic Invitational happened this past March at PAX East. Uh, there was a big thing. Andrea Maguchi won. He won a million dollars. Big hats off to him for that event. They don't have anything set in stone yet. They're going to announce the, that information in November, which I'm fine with. I'd rather them have all the details at once than just say, here's what we know. Um, to be, to be then, fair, this that kind of thing is an announcement of an announcement that I'm cool with. Being like, hey, we'll give you the details. Look for it next month. Um, now, if they don't say anything next month, then we're then we got a problem. But well, yeah, you know, obviously the pro community will take them to task on that one, and they'll have to scramble to rectify it. But you know, yeah, that'll happen. Then they also addressed the bug crashes that happened during the last Mythic Championship. Uh, it was all kind of hand wave. You basically said, you know, the competitors know about the various things and interactions, and whenever they appeal, we have someone take a look at it, see whether it was user error or whether it was a player error. Uh, blah, 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 and just didn't really amount to a whole much. But they're going to try to be more open with the public with regards to how crashes are handled during a this high level of an event. Yeah. Uh, another thing to note, too, is they did say that the bug, there was a reconnection bug, too, after they say they lost some internet connection, apparently had issues with uh, non the non-featured matches and, for, and some of the things you might have seen on Twitter if you are deep into the pro game at all. They mentioned that that reconnection bug that was occurring was fixed with last week, uh, the 24th of October's patch, and it also did not affect the MCQ this past weekend, which had just... Oh, we didn't even mention it. MCQ had a god-awful amount of Oko in there. Yeah, it was like like 55% Oko. 68% yeah. decks, I think, had Oko in it. It was it was pretty bad. People were playing main deck Noxious Grass, which is one of the black. I believe it's an instant destroy target um green or white creature or planeswalker and then they lose three life or you gain three life something, something like along that. those lines yeah it um, was it was 68 out of like or 62 out of 108 decks or something like that it was over 50 percent of the decks were playing oko and that and was your main that deck was really, color hate cards it, it literally had for the it had username like number sign through l and then m through uh z, z. <laughs> yeah i was like me yeah no it was l okay yeah uh, m through z and just control F Oko pulled up those two numbers when you have them together. But either way, there was no bug issues with the MC the MCQ on Arena this weekend with that bug, so they got it. They fixed it. Yay. We got we got him. Let's make sure it doesn't happen again. Now, the big bulk of this announcement was about fractional invites, because obviously they can't just give out invites to players tour events, which is what this was all about. And something that the pros were asking for is kind of, well, how can I just, if I just keep doing well at Pro Tours or at GPs, I need to be able to know that I can qualify for the next one. So, fra- and so that's, yeah, so the fractional invites are kind of how they rehashed the old pro point or the, yeah, the pro point it's, system. It's basically pro points. Yeah. It's, that's basically all it is. Yeah. So there's a little table and they also say that, you know, this is not the final version. They're still going to make edits to it, which is totally fine i don't know how how much of this these numbers are going to work out 
that's really a put them under use in a stress test in a real life situation and see how they progress. Um, and they're also going to integrate it into the players tour qualifiers. Um, so they don't know how they're going to play a role in that for the PTQs. Um, and then it's also going to invite players to the players tour finals. You also, you, uh, you forgot a big thing there. So you said it? PTQs, but they're also looking at premier series tournaments, which is SCG yes. tour level events. So yes. there is a chance eventually down the road where, Hey, you SCG grinders can actually start qualifying for your regional PTQs. Uh, and then also um, there's going to be final branding because fractional invites is, as they put it, sounds pretty boring, which I agree. So here there, there's also the tournament, the qualifying windows for the various players tour events. Um, those are kind of boring, but here's how the, the <laughs> fractional invites play out. So if you get to the top eight of a GP or have 13 win, get 13 wins or better, aka 39 match points, you get half of an invite. So 0.5. If you, you get 0.5 of an invite. If you go 12 and 3 or better, so 36 match points or better, you get 40% of an invite. This isn't cumulative, by the way. If you go 13 and 2, you don't get 90% of an invite. It's, you know, you go up the ladder. If you have 11 or more wins at a GP, aka, you know, 33 match points, you get a quarter of an invite, 25%. If you go 10 and 5 or better at a GP, 30 match points, you get 10% of an invite. So if you go to 10 GPs, you go 10 or 5 or better, that is one player's tour invite. RPTQ. Regional. Yeah, the regional pro tour invite. So you have to go to the regional, and then you do well enough at the regional, and then you go to the regular players. Tour. Yes, you go to the players tour final. Yeah, because remember we have the players tour regionals. You have one for North America, we have one in Europe, and you have one in APAC. Well, it's not North America; it's the Americas. The Americas. Sorry. Yeah. Then for we'll bring, we'll bring up that bit. point in a little bit too. Yeah, for the players tour, if you go eleven and five or better at a players tour, aka top eighting or thirty six match points or better. You get 70% of an invite, which is a pretty big jump. Um, if you go 10 and 6 or better at a player's tour, aka 30 match points, you get 40% of an invite. And if you go 9 and 7 or better at a player's tour, aka 27 match points, you get 30% of an invite. Now, remember, going 9 and 7 is like, oh, that's not great. But at a at a player's tour slash pro tour slash revenue called event where the field is a lot smaller and you're going to pick up a lot more losses. And the cut for day two is 4 and 4. Yeah, that's actually really not bad. Like you, yeah. what you X four one day and X three the next day, and you're getting a thirty percent invite. Yeah, that's pretty that's, good. That's decent. And then if you exceed a hundred percent, you don't spend your points. You'll get qualified for whatever that upcoming PT is for that for that scheduled block, and then that will also carry the excess will then carry over to the next players tour. Yeah. So so it's. Yeah. yeah, so what, what some people were trying to compare to is they're crunching numbers. I don't have them in front of me, but basically before where you could do a certain level at a Grand Prix, say you get 36 match points, right? At three Grand Prix, you qualify for an RPTQ, whereas before apparently the pro points that you would have gotten from those match points wouldn't have even put you at bronze. Yeah. So you technically get the invite that you wouldn't have gotten now because they're incentivizing points a little bit differently. I'll tell you this, a lot of SCG grinders and stuff that I follow have been saying that, hey, it looks like GPs are back on the menu because they're actually, the the whole disincentivizing this last, like the last year in 2019 with Grand Prix and everything like that, there was no pro, pro points after Seattle. Everything for pro point wise was kind of like fading away. So you didn't really have any incentive to go. 2019 was kind of a wash almost in terms of actual trying to qualify for anything because they didn't have this esports update where, heck, you didn't even know what paths to the mpl were now we're starting to add a couple more paths in there 
yeah. now that you get this RPTQ path in terms of points and everything like that, all these people were like, hey, I can set aside maybe instead of going to grind SCG every weekend and try and qualify for the I for the uh, in players invitational and all that kind of stuff. I can maybe put more stock in Grand Prix if it's a bunch of formats coming up that I'm strong in. Like, for instance, look at in the 2020 slate. Say you go with modern pioneer. Well, actually, just go pioneer. Uh, what well, my point's not being very well made right here. Looking at these qualifying dates, <laughs> damn it. Yeah, you're just able to better plan out. Like in the court, for example, if you want to grind the first quarter of GPs next year, you can go ahead and outline a few that you're like, I feel really good in modern. I I'll go ahead and plan to go to Phoenix for for Pioneer. See how the format shakes out in between then and now. So hopefully the deck I pick doesn't get banned. And then you kind of look for, for for the future and go. Well, this standard GP is right after Theros uh, Beyond Death gets released. Maybe there'll be something cool there. And you're able to better plan that out. And if you're a consistent performer like you used to be, this is going to be great for you because you're going to then be able to get on that Players Tour regional and then hopefully get to the Players Tour final. Yes. Yeah, so what is a little what is a little awkward though is so you mentioned oh it's boring with the dates, but actually it's kind of interesting and intriguing. Uh, Players Tour Series Two. Is from January 11th to March 29th. Uh, January 10th, Austin event kind of semi falls. The day two of that falls in that qualifying window. So I guess the modern does count there. Yeah. But the April 3rd Turin modern event day two falls in the Players Tour Series 3 qualifying window. That's weird. Yeah. So it's kind of basically each of the columns uh, in the Magic Fest 2020 schedule on cfbevents.com slash 2020 corresponds with each of the series so each quarter is a series of how mm-hmm. they're laying this out so far which makes sense but it gets wonky when it look at quarter series four because four of the events there are three of the events in the third column fall in series three but are also part and then the rest of the column series four and then it gets goes to it, it goes to crap later in the year in terms of how that lines up decently but it's definitely something Anyways. where you might even need to divide it up by series instead of like these quarters and stuff like that, just because it's going to get confusing for players later on. But yeah, and then one you, can, th- you can plan out your your thing to qualify these. If so, say you get a standard format or a limited format that you feel like you know the the game, right? So you can hit up Jersey for limited, and then I think March is going to be a new. No, you can hit up uh, Jersey and Reno for limited. And say a ban mm-hmm. happens and, and you can go, okay, let me hit up Detroit for standard in like a week or two later. And you might even get a couple of Pioneer games in there too for that quarter. Hey, you do decently well at that. Those five events or whatever like that, you could easily just, you hit 30 bench points or more in like one event and you do like two 33s and 36. Bam, that's your invite. Yep. Uh, also, I would like to note that in the announcement, about the how it's not the final version, they do say we're intentionally starting out conservative so that we can be more generous in the future. Yeah, undershooting first to then correct upwards is really how they should be doing this. And I'm glad they are. Yes, absolutely. So overshooting and then being hyper generous kind of also leads to a feel bad where it's like, well, I qualified under the old system. Or you could get the people yeah. who are like, well, you know, it's it's bad to be negative. As, as, you know, in general, but then you'd be like, "Oh, well, they only qualified because they were on the old system, and they got like, you know, they got railroaded in on the old system." 
and yeah. you know caught the wave granted that's kind of also like some of the complaints people had is like oh well we kind of grandfathered these people in with platinum blah 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 yeah it, they're trying to fix that and avoid that issue by undershooting and then ramping into like i said they haven't even they're looking to maybe integrate ptqs and scg tour events whether or not that nice. will reach all the way down to classics who knows if they just leave it at the open and players invitate and like invitational levels for scg that might be a little bit better but i would Honestly, I think it would be awesome if they could somehow maybe extend it down with like a hyper flattened curve, maybe like maxing out at like 25% and then like doing 25, 20, 10, 15, 10, 5 for yeah. like the top 16. Just because like to be, for instance, the standard event that happened at the standard classic only had about 55, 56 people. I think it was, it might have been 54. Mm. So you can't even say, oh, just give it to the top 60 or whatever like that because you'd be giving you'd literally just sign up and get you know players tour qualifier points which or percentages which are not what they're looking to do so they would need to yeah. really they would need to hyper flatten the curve for these very smaller classic events that happen on sundays but i know i know people who i'm friends with on the scg tour grinder circuit that spike the heck out of these classics and you know they might they, they do, do do they do well enough during regular events but they consistently put up deck list posting results which means top 16 or better and which if they could you know hit enough of those on the scg tour they could stick with the scg stuff and maybe hit one or two grand prix and then combine them all together and that works for them so any more ways to qualify i think are beneficial to the community yeah reason absolutely. being and i'm going to put it this way is because if they can reach out to the scg tour oh actually one thing i want to mention too with supplemental tours and other things like that uh we pop Standard is such a weird place right now that there was supposed to be like an N, like it's NRG, like N November Romeo Golf. Yes. Uh, standard 5K that they weren't getting enough interest for. So they said, hey, if we put enough, if we change this to Pioneer, will you do it? And everyone's like, they got within a day the interest for a Pioneer 5K. So they switched from Standard to Pioneer, which is pretty Speaking crazy. of Pioneer. Well, let's no, no, go no, ahead. No, no. Well, I just want to mention something. We need to talk yeah. about this first. I didn't put in the show notes, but we need to talk about regionals and how that was in, you know, a particular thing. Like, hey, this one thing didn't really, you know, this one tournament off to the side up. I think it's in Canada. I think it's Toronto. I think it's where the NRG series is. That's in America. And that's in North America. In Europe and North America have a lot of GPs. Okay. Latin America and APAC only have one. Each APAC, um, APAC being like not, not in Japan. Japan has a couple, but Australia only has one. Latin America only has one, GP Sao Paulo. Uh, yeah. They are kind of straight up hosed for events. I think, yeah, it's really bad for them. So these fractional invites where, hey, you can just go to a bunch of Grand Prix, go to a bunch of Grand Prix and do that. That's great if you're North American and Europe, but Eduardo Sajalik and Willie Adel who were part of the old school, I tweeted about this earlier today, were part of the old pro player advisory council, whatever you want to call it, that kind of was there and then just unceremoniously was like, hey, yeah, by the way, we're not on the council anymore and no real announcement from Wizards on it. They both came out today saying like, yo, these OP changes are great if you live in certain regions. Otherwise, you're straight up hosed. So, yeah. And he went into a big, he, so I actually co-tweeted and Eduardo replied to me about it saying like, he has, uh, it always has been kind of an issue for this two big differences small difference adding invites at local level can spread out more equally on percentage of player base big arena is a game changer since you're free from geo constraints anything fractional will benefit 
organized play rich areas by nature. So if they can somehow figure out a way to include arena in this, that can somehow maybe flatten out some of the issues with these, you know, pro tour things. Basically, Hey, you Brazilian players or Argentinian players who might have to travel very expensively to these other tournaments. But I mean, you might be a local grinder and kick and butt in your local tournament tournament circuit. If they're able to extend this out to those kind of, you know, say Brazil, I don't know if Brazil has it or, you know, Latin America has a little tournament circuit. It might inspire them to say, Hey, if Wizard says, Hey, if you present a tournament circuit that you can provide support for and, you know, continue it and grow it and all this kind of thing, maybe that might incentivize that kind of t- tournament circuit where, you know, a Brazilian player is probably easier to get to Argentina than it is to get all the way up to the United States. Yeah. Um, and then he's for his detail for the arena game changer thing, fractional input, like it's based on a repeat play cannot benefit smaller regions usually because straight up op- organized play opportunities will be fewer. If you want to help APAC in Latin America, you need straight up events first and foremost store qualifies help a lot here. So that's the kind of thing he's getting at in his follow-up tweet is that if you have a way to have store qualifiers or even like regional SCG does the regionals and stuff like that. If that kind of becomes a thing in, you know, Latin America, cool. Awesome. So hopefully wizard is able to do that, which can, you know, further incentivize these regions with, you know, a little lesser chance to do that. Other than that, the the esports update for this month seems pretty decent. I agree. Let's talk about pioneer. Because that's the hottest. Pioneer. Yep. Everyone and their mother is talking about Pioneer. And it's, we had the first Pioneer Challenge this weekend. We also had the first decklist dump of Pioneer Leagues get get posted. And the format is wide open. Just, just wide open. Yeah. Now, the, the challenge shows a little bit more kind of like, you know, nitty gritty. For example, the top eight of the challenge had a couple of Soltai Midrange decks, a couple of Is It, or, um, is it Phoenix decks, and I think one or two Mono Blue Devotion decks. But the, if you look at the leagues, like there's a lot of different decks that are winning in the leagues. A lot of different variants on mono red. A lot of di- different variants on aggro decks. A lot of different control variants. A lot of different mid range variants. A lot of combo variants. It's just very, very wide open right now. Yeah, it's pretty great in terms of how flat this metagame is right now. Uh, everyone is kind of testing the waters. Like we mentioned last week, there's really no wrong way to build decks right now but you should be aiming to utilize a quote-unquote broken card at some point in your deck list Mm -hmm. because if you're not you're kind of just you're doing yourself a disservice right now granted i will say this there is a white weenie deck out there john yes there is that is not utilizing any of these broken cards we put on here but is still pretty solid yeah honestly another thing too is we'll, we'll talk about this too removal is a heck of a thing or disruption Mm-hmm. People are talking like white needs a uh, path to exile variant or something like that, just because white white does not need path to exile. It does not need a one man and get rid of a thing. It has that. It's called Blazing Hope, but it's pretty bad. Well, um, they, I need a variant kind of thing like that because that would yeah. have become the most overpowered thing if they had path to exile, obviously. But now you put this note in. I didn't. Yeah. So explain this for me, and then I'll tell you why they're already doing it. Oh, the balance, the format, strength, and the feels bads. Yeah. Yeah. So. I just want to put this, I put this note in there, like basically the, the key point with Wizards and what they've mentioned is that they need to balance format strength with the feel bad of, hey, look, I just bought this shiny new, hey, this Pioneer deck's been doing pretty good. Uh, I see it's putting up some results. Let me buy into it. Oh, wait. Oop, three days later, just got banned. Um, I yeah. know you have the link. I know you, you replied, I guess, with the yes. link to Aaron, so to Aaron Forsythe. So if you want to. The day of 
the day of the announcement of Pioneer, Aaron Forsyth sent out this tweet. The only cards banned in Pioneer at its inception are the fetch lands, but I wouldn't be surprised if that wasn't true for long. We'll be managing the format aggressively and off-cycle based on MTGO re- results in advance of the first tabletop premiere events next year. Pass it on. Then there was another person who replied to his tweet, which since got deleted, which Aaron said replied to, If you cannot afford to have cards you acquire and banned, I advise caution in acquiring things at the moment. That was more and less, more or less the intent of my tweet. So Wizards is going to be aggressive in banning cards in Pioneer, as well as being willing to do so off-cycle. So they're not going to wait for the November 21st or November 12th BNR announcement after MC6. Yeah. Not, to you know to be fair i don't think you or i figure that something is going to be banned before then maybe now in pioneer maybe now one thing i but, one thing i meant to ask you before we started is you just put down months now i yeah. made a little side chart for myself where like i was like okay november to december that's one month december to january that's two so i, I numbered sure. it out until next year so when i'm referencing my thing i was like the two months you know two months would be early january because that's right because we're at the, we're, i'm basically calling october over so yeah, you have November to December and then December to January is two months kind of thing. So I would mm-hmm. say this. So I qualify my stuff with that. But reason why I put this in there, and I know I knew Aaron's tweet was out there, is that I was just curious, like this non-standard ban announcements, like are we just going to get, you know, kind of KO'd right hook out of nowhere? Like, hey, ban, by the way, it's Monday. Here's a ban announcement. Or are they going to be like, yo, Pioneer BNR coming up next week? Or I'm not sure. That I think it'll just be more like, so we had a month worth, month's worth of results, and here's kind of where we're at right now. I expect kind of regular. I maybe would expect regular check-ins. Kind, I would kind hope, of like but how at they, the same time, kind of how they're doing like state of the beta for Arena. Just be like state of yeah, state of the format. Maybe. I know. I'm sure they have a plan, but at the same time, I really I'm I would just want them to be aggressive with it. Yeah. Because well, and and like we like I mentioned last week a little bit. This is a format where they've learned from I, they so far they've shown they've been learning from their mistakes in terms of and I say mistakes kind of very lightly in terms of yeah. modern they've learned from what they kind of screwed up with modern in terms of over, having an over aggressive early ban list where some of the cards were a literal laughable joke but other cards that were just straight up busted they didn't quite catch now granted yeah. funnily enough Graham mentioned a little bit I think it was on the Chalice event that happened this past weekend that the original modern ban list was part of standard ban list, but also stuff that they realized was overly powerful and broken at the community cup where they basically introduced modern initially to the world. Yeah. So that's where they kind of did the hybridization of that list, but then real, then kind of overdid it a little bit and had to walk it back. Like for instance, yeah, at the time wild Nakata was a powerful card nowadays. You don't even see it in a deck list. Cool. I mean, you see it every once in a while, but it is, it is more niche than it, than they expected it to be. Oh. And then the, and then for the Pro Tour where it was unbanned, everyone built their decks so that it would be bad, and so Nyazu never showed up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, but th- I think for me personally, I brought that up just because I'm curious personally if we're going to get just a out out of the blue ban announcement, or if they're going to have a some semi semi regular like, hey, here's the here's the pulse on the format kind of thing like that. Where as before we you know modern had, had the BNR announcements and stuff like that. So, but we're not yeah. using that. So are we going to get like a, hey, this is what we're seeing with the format. This is looking good. You know, all that kind of stuff. I'm just curious about that. If it happens, cool. If it doesn't, whatever. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. We'll, players will roll with it and we'll have to deal with it because, you know, it's Wizards format. So. Yes. 
now speaking of, we're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna name cards, and I think we're just gonna we'll just alternate about which cards we want to talk about, and we overlap a good bit on exactly what about which cards, but we very much disagree as far as how long it may take for these cards to get banned. To be fair, I think um, to be fair, I will put out right now. I think I'm overly conservative with some of these. And we're, well, we'll just start with the first one because this is the point where we disagree. We agree on kind of the card, which is Sahili Rai slash Felidar Guardian. One of these two is probably going to get banned in this format. So I, I said I, it's going to get banned within a month. I, I put it down as a copycat piece. Now, remember, originally in Standard, Felidar Guardian took the hit because that was the card that was breaking Sahili Rai. Now, granted, Sahili was kind of relatively new. It's a flashy Planeswalker. You don't really hit your Planeswalker. You take out Sahili Rai, Felidar Guardian still causes blink problems. Sure. Take take out Feldar Guardian. You don't have to worry about Blink. Blink has always blinking things has been kind of an issue. It, it introduces interesting problems. Uh, looking Re- look, Popper. Looking at you, Ephemerate. <laughs> ephemerate, um, and also Ghostly Flicker to a lesser degree. Don't ban my Flicker, please. Or at least Ghostly Flicker anyway. Ban Ephemerate. Yeah. Don't ban Ghostly Flicker yet. One mana yeah. and three mana. Big difference, except for when strong. But anyway. I'm getting off the point here. John, you said one month. Now, by one month, this is where I wanted to ask your clarification on it. Do you mean by December? Yeah, by December 1st. Oh, so by December 1, you think gone. Yes. I ca- I said mine two months, uh, but it's kind of early January. I said basically basically what I was thinking at is post-holiday season. Or Sure. So after the holidays, maybe before Martin Luther King Day, which is mid-January. So in uh-huh. that little bit, because... On 30 and 31 January, we have Magic Fests, plural, Brussels and Nagoya mm-hmm. that weekend, which are also those, it's the Euro and APAC Japanese region RPTQs in, con- yep. in conjunction with Popper GPs, or not Popper, Pioneer. God, Pioneer. I would love a Popper GP, but anyway, now we have Pioneered, who cares? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess that up at least once or twice more, probably, for sure. More than, yeah, it'll, we'll definitely mess it up. You know, but. P formats, whatever. Anyway. I think we'll, I think they'll get enough results that they won't want something like an infinite combo, such as copycat in their format for the first official event. Yeah. That was my logic behind them. Search, John, you were just a little more aggressive with how soon they're going to ban it. I mean, I think it's the best deck in the format, and it's well, it's, I think it's one of the best decks in the format. We'll get to another one that I think is also pretty good that I think is probably the best combo deck. Uh, but I just think that this is the deck that they're going to have their eyes on the most, and that's going to be the piece that they're going to remove the fastest. Now, so because we- this ends the game on the spot pretty early um granted it's pretty easy to interact with but i feel i still feel as though this is the deck that everyone's going to be gunning for as far as building as far as like deck building decisions but they're also going to want to hit this just because it is one of the most degenerate things you can do in pioneer yeah so what's kind of interesting and funny is that there's two schools of thought to this deck right now there's kind of a green based ramp for color copycat that leans heavily on oath of nissa and only runs Three different co- three different planeswalkers, but then there's also a Jeskai copycat version that runs just Jeskai leans heavily towards red based, mainly for their mm-hmm. removal spells, and it runs Oath of Chandra too to give some extra things. But they're running like sixteen different planeswalkers, three, four, four, two. two yeah, it's a two. super friends deck. Yeah, it's a, basically a Jeskai version of super friends deck. The uh, the green the four colors is a ramp deck. So yeah. kind of interesting thing. The only things that really you know translate across those two are Teferi Time Raveler and uh Sahili Rai. Yeah. Uh so oh, and Felidar Guardian, because of course. But yeah, I the the thing that I think that gets taken out here is going to be Felidar Guardian because again, there's still some fun stuff that I think Sahili Rai can do. She's not like 
the main problem. It's more of yeah. she herself is not busted. It is the Felidar Guardian that causes the problems. Heck, here's one of the two is going to get hit. Heck, here's the thing: you can even stick a Felidar Guardian with a different Planeswalker down and blink it and get a reset on its effects, which is still powerful as heck. Yeah, I think being I think one of the things that would scare me the most is you go is you go to three mana to fairy minus bounce your thing, play Felidar Guardian, blink it minus bounce your other thing, draw two cards. Yeah. Like that, that but, can definitely, and then the next turn you just. Slam. But that's not degenerate. That's just silly. But then the turn after you slam Sahili Rai, and you're just like game. Sure. Your opponent's anyway. Your opponent, you just reset your opponent's turn two and turn three plays, and then on turn five you just win. Yeah. All right. Moving on. What's a card that you think is going to get banned that maybe we agree on as well? Uh, Aetherworks Marvel. Now. Yeah. Here's the thing. We mentioned. I mentioned this last week specifically, but I don't know about the marvel decks because it's kind of marvel decks are in a weird spot where i honestly feel like it's not as broken as people think it is yeah but at the same time it is a fundamentally broken card mm-hmm. uh so that said because uh, looking energy, at the energy is hyper 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 uh parasitic parasitic yeah so looking at the league five o's um, kind of as compare point of comparison, there were eleven decks in the five O that played Sahili Rai. There is one Etherix Marvel deck among the five O's. Interesting. Now that doesn't tell us how many different Marvel decks five O'd because they only posted the deck lists that have enough variation between them, and maybe the other Etherix Marvel decks don't have any other variation that five O. Um, it's also a very heavily um, uh, randomness based deck since you're still looking at the top six and you don't know what you're going to find and so on and so forth right um but it can still do very broken things uh how quickly do you think it's gonna it's gonna go so i said two months um but this is kind of a different thing where i think it's going to be potentially right after the brussels nagoya event but the only problem with that is that you're sitting with the weekend after that you have phoenix so it might be right around right after phoenix they might have to ban it so i think basically it's going to go copycat early january and then right after the rptqs they're going to go all right you're done get out of here marvel so i put marvel at three months i think they're going to wait until after those players tour event or the gps during the players tour events i could have probably switched Um, out to three months at that point because if i'm going if i'm encroaching into march and then it's going to start being a problem and then they're going they're going to hit it then yeah uh the one thing the next card that i put down i mean granted we can go ad nauseum talking about marvel ad nauseum the card is not legal but we go on and on about marvel uh it's that that card itself the main card that it was abusing was both ulamog and emrakul now interestingly enough there are ramp decks out there that are playing those cards uh, it's not nearly as egregious. There's a mono green ramp deck that's running Ulamog, but it's not even running uh, yeah. Emrakul. Reason being... As, a, as an example, by the way, the Marvel deck that 5-0'd, that uh, it was playing four Ugin the Spirit Dragon and one Emrakul the Promised End as its payloads. Yeah, like, okay. Eugene, solid card. Yeah. Maybe in a yeah, ramp. This deck is playing more of a fair game as opposed to trying to stack four Emrakuls, four Ulamogs, and trying to go that way. Yeah, because that particular brand of Marvel was basically degenerate in its standard. Uh, the one thing we meant highlighted again with Marvel is that it has to deal with mul- more sets, and the payloads for it are basically the payloads it had when it was legal and standard, which might not pair up well against the entirety of the format. So I still think it's a potential problem card that it's just better off not being around and being like hey if you want to go play these big creatures just go slam ramp now granted caveat on that traverse decks 
or what's it called? Uh, not Traverse. Um, Delirium decks could yes. potentially play a relatively fair Emrakul that might someday make it a problem. But as of now, I don't think Emrakul having on. Those... I don't think I don't think a Turbo Delirium deck is going to be super super good. Correct. No. But even though Emrakul is the best payload, and the tools they have are way better than when Delirium was in standard. Right. And to to give an example of this, Emrakul didn't even make John in my list. We're just mentioning just because. That's no. actually a fair payload that Marvel has, which is kind of weird because basically when is on the spot, if you can play her. Anyway, I mentioned one that John didn't mention next, which is Smuggler's Copter, Ye old Looter Scooter. I think yep. end of February, beginning of March is when that's going to get hit, mainly just because if- I, I feel like that. So here's the thing, though. We have to kind of trickle it down where you take out Copycat, you take out Marvel. Then does a creature then I have to caveat, does a creature deck become the next best thing to play? And I personally feel that if you're playing a solid creature based deck and you're not playing Smuggler's Copter, you're doing it wrong. I think that's fair. I think that Smuggler's Copter can also do some really silly things with something like in Soul Artifact. But I think the Smuggler's Copter will be fine. I think the removal in Pioneer is good enough that it's not going to become a problem. Now, granted, if all the aggro decks are playing it, then we have a problem. I just didn't put it on my list because I think that it's on a lot of people's minds already, but I also just think it's a fine card. Yeah, well, again, let and, me play with Looter Scooter, damn it! And again, I again, I had, I kind of had to caveat, I, and I caveat this with some other ones. I didn't put it with Copter, but a lot of these bands are going to be a trickle down effect where you ban Copycat. Okay, what comes next? Deck Marvel becomes a problem. Ban Marvel. Then we're gonna do hit Smuggler's Copter because Agra is gonna probably try to run rampant on that format. Then what's next? There were twenty. John and I flipped this one, but it's the well, it's the Delta. Twenty. By the way, I'll call it. This. There's twenty three decks with Smuggler's Copter in it from the five O's. Sorry, carry on. Okay, uh, I call this the Delve Duo. I mean, granted, your your TC is a little bit way later than mine, which jumps over a couple other decks because that one yes. I just highlighted completely screws up your timeline here. Yes. Well, actually, let's talk about. that. I mean, I didn't do these in order, but yeah, I did mine in order. Um, but let's let's talk, so about, let's talk I about let's talk about Ascendancy though first. Actually, not the Delve sure. Duo. So. Sure, sure. Jeskai Ascendancy, it's a broken card. It's probably the best combo deck in the format. Uh, it gets even better because not only do you still have Sylvan Carry added, but you also then get to play Sylvan Awakening and then make all your lands into dudes. And then you tap, you float mana, cast a thing, they untap, then you do it all over again, you loot your entire deck, and then you kill your opponent with like, I don't know, six, like five to six, ten, ten lands. Yeah, you go, so, you go what, turn one elf, turn two carry added, other elf, turn three, you go, turn three you stick... Uh, Ascendancy. Well, the thing is, that the deck isn't even playing like the deck isn't even playing um, like dorks like that. It's playing um, so. There's only three Disguise Ascendancy decks in the five O's, and they're playing Sylvan Carrieted and Emery as the only creatures huh. in the deck. So, it, because again, what you have is here's another one that's playing Paradise Druid, Rosestone, Acolyte, and Sylvan Carrieted. Um, but the big combo here <laughs> in this deck, the combo is Graphitic Punch, which I think is adorable. Um, but the real combo card is, is Sylvan Awakening. And th- there's another one by the White Hatter that is playing no creatures. And it's just playing just Sylvan Awakening is my win condition. They're just going to keep killing you with Sylvan Awakening. So, so it's a four-color combo deck leaning on a Jeskai piece and a green card. Yes. Man, mana bases are hella crazy in this format. Let's tell you what. <laughs> energy energy helps a lot. So, Tune with Ether and Ether Hub help a ton oh yeah of course i mean funnily enough we didn't put those on this list but there is something to be said that there is i mean heck we worst i think it might take a while for but you might see you know return uh, what's it called what's what's the card ramp one i'm blanking on it 
Circuitous. No, route? the one you just mentioned, Aether. Sylvan Awakening. No, oh, a tune. That's with Aether. it. A tune with Aether. Yeah, a tune could potentially get whapped with a ban. Don't ban my tune with Aethers. I mean, to be fair, it got banned standard because it was just way too good. But that was when you had more energy in the format. Obviously, energy is hyperparasitic. If you're doing that, you have to work your deck building. Blah blah blah. At so on and so forth. I could keep. I could just make a recording of myself saying the parasitic. Yes, stuff. we can. Moving on. Dig through time. The, the Del- the I said duo. dig through time would get banned first. Yeah, you say dig through I, time. I say treasure cruise. I here's. I also we also I also say treasure cruise, but I say treasure cruise at four months, but after GP Louisville at the end of March. Uh, so that basically puts in that March time frame, basically March to April, so maybe four to five months. Uh, after GP yeah. Louisville, I think that that. So if all the other bans happen, I believe that Phoenix and or other based uh, prowess decks will now i will say this ryan overturf did a bunch of testing today with is it um phoenix no not phoenix prowess, is it prowess aggro, is it prowess tempo. and it didn't do that great where mono red prowess was a lot better but that's yeah. small sample size uh i believe that treasure cruise granted they only have one man at one good blue cantrip but you're playing a bunch of bad red cards to cantrip and cheap spells and all that kind of stuff so i think that treasure cruise refueling that kind of hyper aggro deck with phoenix and other kind of uh so what was your time frame for cruise and dig through time being banned uh, i said four to six months so basically cruise gets banned then those decks pick up dig through time and then that gets banned next so i said dig through time six months and i have treasure cruise at a year um now here's part part of my rationale is that they're much harder to enable in, in this format. You you have to actually try really hard to enable these big delve cards in this format. Right. And I've, I've playtested a couple of decks with Dig and with Treasure Cruise, and you can get to that point where you're only tapping colored mana for them. Um, I think Dig Through Time gets six months because it's very, very good with Torrential Gear Hulk, which is one of the better fit control finishers in the format. Yeah. Now, it's also really good at finding what you need in control decks. Now, on the 5-0 lists, there were 10 decks that 5-0'd with Treasure Cruise in them. There were 24 that 5-0'd with Dig Through Time in them. Okay. And those decks weren't even playing all five to, all four Dig Through Times. So you're looking, you're looking at the sheer numbers of what the current metagame is playing. I didn't look at that with mine. I was just going off a feel of, hey, yeah. maybe by maybe by that time, the control decks have figured right. out how they need to attack the format. Right now, if you're playing control, you're, you're, you know what? I, get, I tip my hat to you guys, but everyone's trying to be broken. And I, I mean, I think we have enough or we're getting enough results to this point where you can kind of figure out how to attack them, how you need to attack the metagame. So you might see more control decks pop up, whether it just sticks with blue white or other thing. I think you're honestly, blue white's probably the best one. Blue white X, uh, yeah. just because of the Teferi duo. Teferi duo, Sphinx's Rev, Supreme Verdict, all that fun stuff. Yeah. Now, as a point, here is a 5-0 deck by Miharu Fuyumiya. It is a, uh, just guy. It's a just guy. uh, cat copycat deck. That's leaning heavy on the Planeswalkers, playing 13 Planeswalkers. It's playing four cre- or eight creatures, four Felidar Guardian, four Thraven Inspector, and it's playing two Dig Through Time. Okay? If I go to the next list in the 5-0 deck dump, um, this is a deck, this, this is a blue-white control deck. Its win conditions are Torrential Gear Hulk, JVP, Narset, Teferi, and Teferi. Um, it's playing one Dig Through Time. So, you know, there's, I think Dig Through Time is going to get hit by its ubiquity first. And then Treasure Cruise is going to get hit because of just how many decks are, how many blue decks are playing it, and then whether or not people will splash for it. Okay. I mean, that's, yeah, I, it's really, so the, the, the Delve Duo, I think, is really going to be dependent on which flavor of deck kind of cooks off better 
after a couple yeah. of the early predator ban- predators in the format are. And like, listen, out. if I can just play Thermo Alchemist and like, you know, Treasure Cruise and Fevered Visions and all that and have fun, I'm totally for it. You and I both have played that deck. So I'm 100% there. Yeah, I saw some people like Todd Anderson was testing with the Dynavolt Tower decks. And maybe someday down the road, that'll be one of the form of controls in the format. But who knows? And next card on both our lists at the same time frame. He's Loco in Modern. He's Loco in Pioneer. It's Oko. Yeah, he's straight up nuts on standard. Uh, so I, I put a weird side. Like, so eight months would basically puts it June, July time frame. So summertime next year. I had the same time frame. Yeah, uh, I did a side guess where my assumption is in the next couple weeks, Oko gets banned in standard. And during said ban article, he basically gets watch listed for Pioneer and Modern. Kind yeah. of in a way of like, how hey, how, rat, how wild... You know, goes I was gonna say they're keep be like, hey, we're keeping an eye on this card in these other formats too because he was hyper pushed for standard hyper thing. Oh, I actually we didn't mention this. Uh, there was a play stream with Melissa Detora and Paul Chion where they basically said, I re- I retweeted this. Yeah, John retweeted this where they actually said straight up, we tried to make him a pushed planeswalker for standard. We're keeping an eye on him. We didn't anticipate his plus one being so overpowered. So good, basically, or. Yeah. So they want they they said the the words were we wanted Oko to be a strong card in in, in standard. They we underestimated how good his plus one was, and we are monitoring the format closely. Yeah, mainly, and then that led people to be like, did they only ever plus one on their own stuff and not their opponents? Because <laughs> or did the plus one only say your stuff? So yeah, that's one of those questions where again having access to maybe M files of this somewhere in the future, like you know. Hey, when Eldraine's rotating out, hey, remember that Oko card that we banned in like all the formats? Hey, here, here here's how we developed it, kind of thing. How wild would Oko would it be if Oko got restricted in vintage? That would be hilarious. I think honestly, be- we need more than just one vintage event for him to get sure. restricted. But fair. I mean, I feel like decks can counter oath decks if they know Oko's coming. Yeah, that's fair. So vintage, um, vintage is very self-correcting in that form. In that way shape and form where it's like oh you're you're doing this broken thing cool we're just going to adopt make sure we have the plan to adopt you and we can do it easily yeah now from here on we have no cards that we agree on as far as bands and pioneer so i'm going to tell you this i think your next one on the list is ridiculous and won't happen i hmm, you say that uh because oko may have won the pioneer challenge but is it phoenix put up two decks in the top eight and is a very, very, very good deck. Here's the- I put Arclight Phoenix at one year. It'll take one year. November, it'll take until the end of November next year for Arclight Phoenix to get hit. But I did put a caveat. If only if people start trying to hate on Phoenix enough that they that they play main deck Leyland of the Voyage, Graph Diggers, Cages, or Rest. Here's why I think that that is BS and won't happen. Now, I will, sure. you know, I'm fully prepared to eat, you know, eat crow on this one that, you know, has before it's been turned to an elk. Um... <laughs> Eat crow on the fact that maybe Arc Like Phoenix make a band. Uh, I'll tell you this right now: my computer desktop is the Art to Art Like Phoenix. I have basically only been looking at playing Arc Like Phoenix decks because I know how heavily that deck is relying on the Treasure Cruise to refuel its hands. It does. So you think the Treasure Cruise ban will then put Arc Light into place? Correct. Absolutely. Interesting. I honestly, and here's the thing: so my timeline was Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time. Treasure Cruise gets banned. Arclight Phoenix picks up Dig Through Time, straight up, and then it gets. Does banned. it though? I think it would. 
It has the mana base to do it. Maybe. It has the, I mean, it, it does. Would tweak the mana, it would tweak the mana base to add maybe a couple more islands to be a little bit more towards the blue side of things. But I honestly think that, yes, it doesn't give you the straight raw three cards, but it lets you look at the next seven card to pick your best two, which in Phoenix could just be, oh, let me just grab these next two cantrips and I can start my cantrip train again. Sure. That's where it's like the power of dig through time will show there granted treasure cruise is only because it's a basically i've been watching people play this and they're able to get 30 40 cards in their graveyard during a game by like turn seven or eight like they're dumping yeah. three two-thirds of their deck in the graveyard and dig through and basically treasure cruise delving away like a half their deck by the time they win sure sure that's why i don't think phoenix will be too powerful once treasure cruise and dig through time get banned i think so, i think honestly Arclight Phoenix will be one of the main impetuses behind Dig Through Time getting banned if Treasure Cruise goes first. Sure. That's okay. my logic. I can see that. Um, also on your um, – so on your list that's not on my list. Uh, well, there's there's that card, which I don't think is – which I think is just silly. We'll talk about that uh, one. Seth, Man- Seth Manfield published an article about 10 cards that Pioneer is going to need to get banned. We've already talked about a lot of the same cards. He put Monastery Swiftspear on there, and I'm just like, bruh. Why? Bruh. Seth, I love you. You're an amazing Magic player. John You're way smarter at magic than we John are. John and but I are I, kind of completely divergent from your path here, and that we don't think it's unless it just becomes unless they print some like ridiculous card in red that just overpowers Taylor, Tay Tay's not going anywhere. But the next card on your list is another card that you really enjoy. I'm loco for the Coco, Coco. baby. Yeah, <laughs> collect a company. Um so I, I was actually kind of lying when I mentioned uh the only one I was looking at playing was Arclight Phoenix decks. I have been keeping a side eye out for like collected company decks just because I know for a fact that Arclight Phoenix is going to get Treasure Cruise banned out of it, which will weaken it. And then I need a second deck to look at. <laughs> so I'm keeping, a, By side, the way, there I'm keeping are... a side eye on like collected company decks because right now there's basically just Bant Spirits and then there's kind of just like Bant good stuff, which was essentially what it was in standard. So you got yeah. your standard bank company. So basically the bank company decks, one of them basically, actually, Watsy, Andrew B. Hmm. I wonder if that's Andrew Brown. Hmm. Maybe. Weird. Oh, by hmm. the way, there were 10 collected company decks in the 5-0. Yeah, but this one, this one I'm looking at by Watsy, Andrew B. So, hmm. Yeah. Okay. Andrew Brown, who was basically dominant during the time Coco was in standard. Uh, running four Coco, two Dramocus Command, Tireless Tracker, Spell Queller, Refractor Mage, Deputy Detention, Voice of Resurgence, Selfless Spirit, Scavenging Goose, JVP, Duskwatch Recruiter, Llanowar Elves, Gilded Goose. Basically, every good Bant creature that's been printed in the entirety of Pioneer, a large portion of them were during Bant Coco's time frame. And yeah, it's got three Oko in it, but whatever. How do you, how do you feel about Coco Humans? Four Banalish Marshal, four Charming Prince, four Experiment One, two Kithian, four Mantis Rider, four Reflector Mage, four Thalia's Lieutenant, four Thraman Inspector, four Collected Company, four Smuggler's Copter, and 22 I'm lands. assuming it's playing un- uh, the Unclaimed Territory. It is playing Unclaimed yeah, Territory. Yeah, because there's no way you're casting red in that deck for... Uh... It's got two Fortified Village, four Hallowed Fountain, two Plains, two Sacred Foundry, four Temple Garden, four Unclaimed Territory, and four Mana Confluence. Okay. Oh, yeah, I should actually mention Mana Confluence, by the way. You're way too late on buying that. That card spiked. That is like someone also mentioned. I saw on Twitter today. Like they're saying, uh, mana confluence is the glue that is holding together these popsicle stick mana. A lot mana, of shaky mana yeah, bases. Po- like these, they have popsicle stick mana bases. Like you know, and I'm not even saying like fancy popsicle stick structures. We're talking like kindergartners with Elmer's glue here. It's the Elmer's glue. Uh, it's holding that together. But yeah, Co- Collected Company might get a ban only if it 
just becomes the best de facto deck and it just becomes like all right i have an answer for everything and like because coco was kind of the one car we're like yeah we may maybe might should have banned it in standard because it was just a little too overpowered but we didn't because they weren't on the path of banning cards yet by the time company was on its way out like right after company yeah. left they're like all right reflector mage you're gone and i was like but it was only good because the company <laughs> anyways um and then i have one more card on here for me well, i'll mention this one thought sees i think yeah. this is one seth had on there i put it there only if the rock so green black x decks become the de facto best mainly because they have right now like i say rock decks for green black because they have the best removal and the best disruption packages in the format yeah currently even but you remove all these other cards from the format does the rock then feast on what this format is cooking see what i did there maybe but it's by the way oko is a blue green card he is not a he's not he's not a rock card sultai man anyways sultai john yes that is true as on the prize that is true it (laughs) it did win the pine the first pioneer challenge anyways um, let's talk about your other I want to get to my card my, my last card that I put on the list is one that I thought of just literally like an hour before maybe like no actually we were getting ready to start recording uh, I was watching the uh, I was watching SCG live on their replay on YouTube and I was watching Cory Baumeister playing a Soul Tide Delirium deck and then I saw and then I saw him cast Traverse the Uvenwald for Murderous Rider Traverse the Uvenwald was one of my favorite cards from Shadows over Innistrad green sorcery Search your library for a basic land card, put it into your hand. If you have Delirium, you can get any land or a creature. Just in standard right now, because this card only gets, this card gets better the more creatures you have access to and the more silver bullets you can play. Now, granted, uh, Corey was playing a Soul Tide Delirium deck. What if you're playing white and you're playing Realm Cloaks Giant? Suddenly, you have Traverse the Uvalwald for my board wipe. I have Traverse the Uvalwald for Murderous Rider, Kill Your Planeswalker. I have Traverse the Uvalwald for Ravenous Chupacabra, Play It, Kill Your Creature. Oh, big I have this grabber. Back. Yes. Well, I don't think he was playing Choops in that no, deck. No, no, but, but Choops, man. Yeah, but you see my point. Like, get reflect, get you know, Reclamation Sage, play it, kill your thing. The, and the, we also have collected, we also have Court of Calling, did, which is also a very powerful card, which we didn't mention. You didn't either. even mention the Murderous just, Rider the, loop, though, because you swift, yeah, because like swift Murderous end, Rider when it swift end your opponent's creature, then you play out Murderous Rider, chump it off, gain some life, put it on the bottom of your library, then you traverse for Murderous Rider, cast Swift End. Yeah. Oh, and by it, the way, you're playing Den Protector, so you're flipping that and getting back your Traverse to Uvenwalds. Yo, let's not get cute. I'm getting cute. But I'm getting cute. It was also great because in the deck that Corey was playing, he had Jace from Prodigy, flip Jace, minus on uh, Traverse, cast Traverse. He was playing against um, Ross Merriam, who's playing a white weenie deck. And he goes, okay, I'm going to flashback my Traverse to Uvenwald. I'm going to get Ishkana, play Ishkana, make spiders. Go. Oh, baby. Now, granted, Corey was way behind that game and wasn't winning even with an Ishkana, but it was just one of those things where you just look at that and you go, this card is really, really good. I think Traverse Uvalwald will get banned in two years, which is a long ways away. But I think that just the more creatures that Wizards prints, because Wizards is still going to print creatures, the better this card gets. So we'll see in a couple of years if Traverse ends up being hit as a toolbox card. You can't get into online immediately. And the, you know, the downside and the, the bare minimum of get a lamp, get a basic. We saw a tune with either get banned in standard. Who knows if Traverse can get banned in pop and pioneer because of it. So. That's my take, at least. Um, and then big shout out to Deathrite Shaman, who's oh, fine. Yeah, I, I I put this here. Shout out to Deathrite Shaman, who doesn't have fetches. To people are like, there's another one mana one two elf that's for green, and everyone's like, congrats for putting this in your deck. I guess I didn't know that people liked squires. Yeah, right. Um, 
so basically the thing is the whole reason why it, it helped check mana bases because it would ramp you and eat opponents things away which could have been used for delve cards which were powerful at the time as well and it also just would munch away at other things but it was more powerful once you got two of them on the battlefield and could start really munching away with death right so yeah basically you needed another mana to start exiling instants and creatures and stuff like that and you needed extra mana that you would get from another death right shaman munching away your own and other fetch lands so yeah uh, you're not going to get that mana dork effect from it necessarily and it's not not the greatest card it's yeah. it's probably like the weakest card on any other ban list so in in pioneer the weakest banned card in other formats that's legal in the format yes. yeah so basically like other formats banned here it's weak just because it doesn't have the fetch lands and all can i just say thank god again that the fetch lands are banned yeah, I wasn't looking forward to four-color mid-range fest. This would have been one hellacious format. I, I think having the fetch lands legal would have probably just killed... Like People would not have been nearly as interested in this format. I'm waiting for uh, Card Kingdom, who does not sponsor this podcast, but we won't say no, uh, to do like a no-banless pioneer format and see what happens if you put fetch lands in the format. I mean, the, funny, the funniest part about no-fetch, no-banless pioneer right now is that it's five cards. Yeah, exactly. Not happening right now. But no, no, no. I, I, like no, I just find it funny that like you get these no banless modern events that are really cool, by the way. But that has to worry about like twenty some cards or whatever. And here it's like, ah, eh, you get fetch lands. Your mana bases get better. Have fun, kids. Yeah, and then you get to be able to curve like your deathrite shaman into your mantis rider, into your siege rhino, into your gods. I don't dude, know. just do the vanifar pod chain. Hey, also that. Anyways. I think that's going to take care of it yeah. for, for this so, week. We we talked about OP. We talked about uh, OP cards and Pioneer. I So I, I kind of said it before, but I really need to caveat hard on this close here saying like, I honestly have me personally literally zero clue how actually aggressive Wizards will be with these bands. I think they will be very Once aggressive. Once I, I will love to revisit this topic after the first ban reason reason sure. being i mean we don't have to do a whole episode on it but i would love to like look back and maybe revise and tweak a couple things here and there we don't need to give huge explanations but i am questioning how like like i was like listen yeah this would be good and then i had a crisis of faith while actually making my own list today like briefly before we recorded and i'm like oh god what if i didn't do enough what if what if there's way more? Oh God! What if like Wizards actually just says "f you" by the end of November to copycat and not wait out the calendar year? Oh my God! Then everything on my list just gets switched around because then have I I would bet I would make a pie bet that Wizards will ban something before January first. I'm not gonna take you up on that because honest smart no because honestly like in the like hopefully optimistic they give the format a month or two to like hey let's see what's really going on but i think they're gonna hit hard they already have a watch list in their minds and they're gonna hit hard and fast and i'm scared <laughs> but to be fair i think it will be good but at the same time i i mentioned in my thing and i kind of also want to hit on it again these bands are going to be cascading bands basically yes. as soon as you hit the first piece then it's just going to be a domino effect of 
okay, now this is gone. Okay, it's natural predator. Like this other deck's natural predator is now out of the format. It's going to rise up. Okay, now we need to get rid of this. Now the thing that was being held down by that is gone. Okay, it's going to rise up. So we'll just see how that rolls and stuff like that. No. It will. I think they will settle in a good spot for the format health overall. It just depends on, okay, do we have hyper combo? Do we have all of this? We'll see how it goes. I don't know. I also didn't put any red pieces, because honestly, if they're going to ban a red piece, I don't know what they're going to hit. It could be Swift Spear. I wouldn't be surprised if they banned Rampaging Ferocidon again. I wouldn't be surprised if they banned Goblin Chain Whirler. wouldn't be surprised if they banned something silly like Lightning Strike I don't, or Ramanop Ruins. Something from, the, something from a red deck will probably get banned. I just don't know what piece it is, and I really don't want them to ban anything. I don't think... Because it was such a bit, became such a big joke, I don't think Rampaging Ferocidon is going to become necessarily especially with Sahili still being in the format i don't think that they're going to uh they're going to do no, that it's funny enough it's basically it's almost like an out like a safety valve card for that one um yeah i don't think red really has many potentially bannable cards they don't red has good cards it doesn't have great cards it doesn't have broken cards yes like you mentioned arc this has very powerful arc cards. phoenix might be the most broken red card but that is only due to its sheer ability to recur yeah that's it i so other than that uh it'll be interesting to see where things go we didn't even mention rally ancestors because to be fair rally ancestors might not even be a good deck without the yeah. mana base one of the coco decks i did find was a rally the ancestors deck well, but there's a whole lot of graveyard hate that makes that deck way yeah worse. also should mention pithing needle damn good card pick it up if you don't have them I seriously agree. ian if people wanted to find you on the social medias, where can they do Y'all so? Y'all can find me at Twitter, or on Twitter, at DixonIJ. That's D-I-X-O-N-I-J. You guys can also find me on Twitch, or if you see me around uh, Magic Twitch chats, say hello. Uh, it's twitch.tv slash Dix, D-I-X. Um, oh, coming up in two, yes, or two and a half. No, it's two weeks, roughly. By the time you hear this on Wednesday, it'll essentially be like two weeks, not even. Oh, God, it's not even two weeks. Ah, Desert Bus for Hope starts on November 8th. So it's like 10 days away. Jeebus. Soon. Yeah, it's soon. Uh, look for tweets at Desert Bus, at Desert Bus on Twitter. Uh, yeah. Basically, Wizard of the Coast always puts in so many amazing Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons prize prizes in general. Like we have like packs of just, you know, you'll get all sorts of weird like D&D uh, manuals and books and other stuff like that or you might get wizards shells yeah. out for wizards for, for hope as does a lot of other wizards makes it rain on the desert bus crew they have like uncut sheets like before they became such a huge thing where they were giving out like candy like this was a place to get uncut sheets when it was like rare as heck uh they do like packs like hey here's a couple booster boxes and some cool ancillary products and stuff like that they might go dig into the vault i know they've done things for uh, commander's arsenals in the past like hey we found this thing here you go kind of thing people will like have their own personal office stash and be like, hey, here's my cool thing for my office stash. Donates for a charity. You can possibly win. It's not a raffle, but it is a donation drive. They usually do those for magic stuff because those make a lot of money. And they'll usually make it under $10 oh, yeah. unless it's something spicy. And that's like, I think the max I've ever seen a, uh, a Magic the Gathering thing go for is like $15.15 or something like that per entry. Mm-hmm. Even then, still relatively fair. But hey, look for cool magic stuff. Anyway, that's my spiel. Desert bus in 10 days. Oh, my God. Oh, by the way, speaking of that, we're probably not going to record on the 13th or the 12th. That makes Just sense. Just letting you know. 
Yeah, we'll take we'll take the weekend desert bus off. Go watch desert yeah, bus. I, I I'll be busy modding. I mean, I could maybe pry myself away for an hour, but I'd rather not. <laughs> Chat's wild. Yeah, yo. it is wild. Anyway, John, where can they find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. This day be i l e y one two nine. You can also hit me up on Twitch at the same handle. If you see me floating around chat rooms, don't hesitate to say hi. If you want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so in one of two ways. You can hit us up on Twitter at Eyes in the Mize, or you can shoot us an email at eyesinthemize at gmail.com. We would love to hear how we can best improve the podcast for you, our lovely elk listeners. My name is John. That's Ian. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time. Mm-hmm.